Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We've got just a couple messages left in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We're in Matthew 28. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 15 uh, this morning. Our message series is called Lead Me to the Cross, but we're in the last chapter of Matthew now, which means we are now on the other side of the cross, right? And last week we looked at Jesus' resurrection, Easter Sunday, and and, and, and what the other side of the cross meant for the women who went to the tomb and what the other side of the cross meant for Jesus and, and indeed what it means for us as well. And today we're going to look at the religious leaders. What did the other side of the cross mean for them? How did they respond to Jesus' resurrection? Now you may remember that when Jesus was on the cross, he was on the cross because they arrested him and brought false witnesses and put him there, right? When Jesus was on the cross, they mocked him. They said things like, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Very significant what they said next now. They said, let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Do you think if he'd come down from the cross, they would believe in him? Well, do you think if he rose from the dead, they would believe in him? Well, let's find out. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we look into your word this morning, as we look at a number of the uh, excuses that uh, people use to try to distance themselves from you and from the resurrection... Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word, that you would encourage us in our faith, that you would equip us to share with others, and most of all, uh, that you would assure us of the amazing truth of the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. It is in his name we pray. Amen. The most important question you can answer in life is this. Who is Jesus Christ? The most important question you can answer about Jesus is this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Because you see, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then that means he wasn't who he said he was. And that means we can all pack up our things and go home. Okay, There's no reason to be here today. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, that means he really is the Son of God. And you owe him your life and your loyalty. Now, the religious leaders did not want to accept the facts of Jesus' resurrection. Not only that, they didn't want other people to either. And so they created a cover story. That's what we're going to look at this morning. A cover story to cover for their own disobedience and unbelief. And so we're going to look at their cover story, and then we're going to look at a a number of other cover stories that people have invented over the years in order to avoid the fact of Jesus' resurrection. Then we're going to do do a little detective work. We're going to look at each of these cover stories and say, do they stand up? Do they hold water? That's where we're heading today. So first we come to cover story number one. It's the one that's in our text today. Cover story number one is the disciples stole the body. That's what happened, right? Jesus didn't rise from the dead. The disciples stole the body. Let's take a look at the origin uh, of this story, okay? Uh, Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15. 
While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this day. So while the women are on their way to share the good news of the empty tomb with the disciples, some of these guards go into the city to report the bad news of the empty tomb. Uh, to the religious leaders, the chief priests. The chief priests get together with the elders, they confer, they devise, they come up with a plan. They bribe the soldiers with a large sum of money to say that the disciples stole the body while they were sleeping. Sorry, Judas, you were underpaid. Remember, Judas only got 30 pieces of silver, the price of an injured slave. It looks like he could have gotten a whole lot more. Uh, if he'd only held out. You know, the religious leaders gave money to Judas to betray Christ. Now they're giving money to the soldiers to lie about the body of Christ. Uh, If I was a member of their synagogue, I think I might be a little upset uh, at how they were using my offering money. Don't you think? They also promised to protect the soldiers from Pilate if the story gets back to him. You see, a Roman soldier who fell asleep on the watch could be executed for dereliction of duty. And so the religious leaders promise, we'll protect you. If it gets back to the governor, we'll satisfy him. You know what that means? It means even more large sums of money are exchanging hands. And the rest is history. The soldiers took the money and ran, ran with the story. And the story continued to be widely circulated even up to the time that Matthew was writing his gospel. That's about some 30, 35 years later, Matthew's writing this gospel. Story is still circulating. Fast forward another 100 years, still circulating. The writings of Justin Martyr, uh, we find the stories there and he's having to defend against it. Fast forward 2,000 years, still circulating today. You go into the internet chat sites and websites uh, where people are trying to to debunk Christianity and all that and, and you still hear this story. So what's wrong with this first cover story, the original cover story, that the disciples stole the body? Well, there is so much wrong with it. Uh, It's really hard to know where to begin. First of all, this is the reason the guards were put there to begin with. Right? Remember, the the whole reason uh, the religious leaders went to Pilate and they posted a guard and they put a seal on the stone was to stop this actual cover story from happening. In fact, they said if it did happen, they said if the disciples steal the body and pretend that Jesus rose from the dead, that they said this second deception on the part of the disciples, this deception will be worse than the first. But you notice it's not the disciples who are doing the deceiving here, it's the religious leaders. Then the second thing wrong with this cover story, very obvious when you think about it, if the guards were asleep, how did they know what happened? You ever think about that, right? Imagine if you were called into a court as a witness. 
And they swear you in. You promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Okay, so tell, tell us what happened. Well, I was home. It was a late night. I was really tired. I fell asleep. And while I was sleeping, so-and-so came into my house and robbed these things. And when I woke up, I found that they were gone. You can be laughed right out of court. You don't know what's happening. You were asleep, right? It's like when we were kids in Sunday school, right? And the Sunday school teacher would, would, would be praying to start class. And as soon as she finished praying, you raise your hand. Uh, teacher, Johnny had his eyes open during prayer. <laughs> oh, he did, did he? And, and, and how do you know that? Um, you see, that cover story doesn't hold water, does it? And this one with the guards doesn't either. Third reason this cover story doesn't work. If the disciples stole the body, why wasn't the body recovered and the disciples arrested? Remember, the religious leaders said, this is the worst thing that could happen. They've got their own guards, right? They went out, they arrested Jesus under false pretenses. If the disciples had really stolen the body, of course, they'd use all of their resources to track down the disciples, to arrest them, to retrieve the body. Never happened. And then fourthly, and this is very significant, the disciples died for their faith. And people do not die for a lie. And if the disciples stole the body, then they knew it wasn't true. They knew Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that the whole thing was just a lie. Why do people tell lies? We tell lies either to get ourselves out of trouble, right, or to benefit ourselves in some way. That's one thing if the disciples were getting rich off the story. But you see, proclaiming the resurrection was getting them into trouble, not out of trouble, and not just trouble. Well, the worst kind of trouble of all, death. Death. As the famous French philosopher Pascal once said, I believe the witnesses that get their throats cut. And except for John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos in his old age, all the disciples eventually died for their faith. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright makes the point that it was three centuries before anyone gained anything except insults, danger, torture, and death by believing in the resurrection. So what's wrong with this first cover story, the original cover story, the granddaddy cover story of them all? What's wrong with this story of the disciples stealing the body? Everything, right? Everything's wrong about it. That's why the guards were there to begin with. If they're asleep, how'd they know what was happening? Why wasn't the body recovered? Why weren't the disciples arrested? The disciples died for their faith, and people don't die for a lie. So that was the first cover story, but it wasn't the last. And there are several other cover stories that people have used over the years to try and avoid Jesus' resurrection. So we're, we're going to have some fun, and we're going to you know, walk through some of these other cover stories that you'll still find circulating out there today. So cover story number two is this, that the religious leaders moved the body. Right? If the disciples didn't do it, then, well, maybe it was the religious leaders. Maybe, maybe they came in. And then that would explain the disciples dying for their faith. The disciples would truly believe Jesus rose from the dead. So now they would be dying for something they believed was true rather than something they knew to be a lie. 
But there are a number of problems with this cover story too. First of all, why would the religious leaders do that? What's their motivation? What's their reason? Remember, they went to Pilate earlier and posted a guard to make sure that the tomb wouldn't be empty on Sunday morning. They said that the worst thing that could happen would be for the tomb to be empty on Sunday morning. So why would they take the body and make the tomb empty? Doesn't make any sense. Secondly, why leave the grave clothes? In fact, anybody robbing a grave, if they were grave robbers, not even the religious leaders, why do you leave the grave clothes? The linen had value. What value did the dead body have? If you're stealing the body, why would you take the time to remove all the linen wrappings? I mean, you're, you're, you're in a hurry, right? And then fold it all up, and put it nice and neatly in the stone, and, and then take the body away? It doesn't make any sense. And then thirdly, very compelling reason, if the religious leaders moved the body, if they were the ones responsible, why didn't they produce the body to stop the gospel? Remember, they're the ones, they didn't want stories of Jesus' resurrection to spread. That's why they posted the guard to begin with. If they had moved the body, the easiest thing in the world And the easiest way to stop this whole new movement would be simply to produce the body and prove to everyone that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead after all. Cover story number two. Cover story blown. Cover story number three that's often used is that the women went to the wrong tomb. The women went to the wrong tomb. It goes like this. It was early morning. It was still dark, right? The women were grieving. In their confusion, they went to the wrong tomb. It happened to be open. They ran back to the disciples and said, Jesus rose from the dead. Well, this cover story doesn't make sense either. First of all, this was a brand new tomb uh, belonging to Joseph of Arimathea. It was not just a common grave out there. It was a very specific, well-marked tomb and easily identified. Secondly, the women were there. When Jesus was buried, they didn't just hear about it. They were eyewitnesses. Matthew specifically tells us Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. They watched while Joseph placed Jesus' body in the tomb. They watched as he rolled the big stone in front of the entrance. They were there. Thirdly, if the women went to the wrong tomb, why did the guards report Jesus' body is missing? Right? If the women went to the wrong tomb, that means that Jesus was where? He was still in the right tomb. And the guards were still there uh, watching over him. So why why would they then just leave the tomb and report Jesus' body is missing? And then fourthly, same as before, why didn't they just produce the body and stop the gospel? If the women went to the wrong tomb, then it's all just a big misunderstanding. All the religious leaders needed to do was go to the right tomb Produce Jesus' body and stop all these rumors of Jesus' resurrection dead in their tracks. All sorts of people knew exactly where Jesus was buried. The guards knew. The religious leaders knew. Pilate knew. The women knew. Certainly Joseph of Arimathea knew where his own tomb was. This third cover story that the women went to the wrong tomb doesn't make any more sense than the first two. Okay, three cover stories down, two more to go. The first three cover stories are all used to try to explain one thing. 
the empty tomb. Different reasons why that tomb may have been empty on Sunday morning. These next two are used to try and explain something different. The, the, the next two cover stories are used to try to explain the appearances of Christ after his resurrection. Because we not only have an empty tomb, but Christ appeared to people alive after the resurrection. And so our fourth cover story is this. Jesus didn't really die. And this is a big one. You still hear this one a lot today. In fact, uh, there are major world religions that believe that Jesus uh, did not die on the cross. The way this cover story works is this. The, the reason the disciples saw Jesus alive after the cross was not because he rose from the dead, but because he never died to begin with, sometimes called the swoon theory, that Jesus fainted on the cross and everybody thought he was dead and then he revived later in the coolness of the tomb. And of course, this cover story has all sorts of problems too. First of all, consider this, even if Jesus didn't really die, okay, even if this, this was true, if he just fainted, he was still in terrible shape physically. He had been beaten, flogged, crucified, pierced with a spear. Many people died just from the flogging alone. They never made it to the cross. Crucifixion was the most brutal of punishments, and if that was not enough, Jesus was also pierced with that spear so that blood and then water ran out, an indication, by the way, that the person had died uh, from suffocation, asphyxiation. That's how you died on the cross. Eventually, you just didn't have the strength to push up to get a breath anymore, and you died of suffocation. Blood and water separate in your body. Not only that, but Jesus was also certified dead by the centurion. Twice. Twice, for good measure. Once when they came to break his legs, they wanted to speed the process along, but they found he was already dead. Trust me, if he wasn't dead, they would have broken his legs. And then a second time, uh, when Joseph came to Pilate and asked for the body, and Pilate said, what? He's already dead. And sent for the centurion. He said, I want to, I want to know for sure. The centurion confirmed it second time. Yep, really dead. These centurions were trained soldiers, familiar with death. I mean, that was their job. That's what they did. They would certainly have known the difference between someone who had died and someone who had merely fainted. But even if the centurion had messed up twice, you still have Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who took charge of Jesus' body next for burial. And surely they would have noticed if Jesus was still alive or breathing. I mean, they were close to the body. They wrapped Jesus' body in 75 pounds of linen and spices. They laid him in the tomb. And then not only that, but Jesus was also sealed in a tomb with a large stone across the entrance and the soldiers standing guard. This is actually, I think, the least convincing cover story of all. To believe that Jesus didn't really die, you have to believe the following. First, you have to believe that after being beaten, flogged, crucified, and pierced with a spear, that no one really noticed that he was still breathing, and so they buried him alive. You have to believe that Jesus, in this broken, bloodied, bruised, wounded, and weakened state, that he revived in the tomb and he somehow struggled his way out of these 75 pounds of, of linen wrappings. And he staggered over to the stone and pushed the stone away. And then he beat up the guards and overcame the guards and took away their weapons and knocked them down. 
and beaten and bloody and broken and wounded, staggers all the way across the road back to Jerusalem and somehow convinces the disciples that he, this is the glorious resurrection from the dead? You know, to believe that cover story takes more faith than simply believing the resurrection. And then one final cover story that is used to explain the appearances of Jesus to the disciples after the cross is that the disciples were hallucinating. That the disciples were hallucinating. You know what? This, this one doesn't make sense either. Now, if Jesus had appeared to only one disciple or even one at a time, perhaps you could blame it on a hallucination. But just like two people sleeping together in the same bed do not have the exact same dream at the exact same time, in the same way two people standing in a room together don't have the same hallucination at the same time. And Jesus appeared to lots of different people in groups of two or more repeatedly in the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension back to heaven. First, he appeared to the women at the tomb. He made a special appearance to Peter. Same day, he, he appeared to uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Once again, notice groups of people. And then uh, later that evening to the 10 disciples uh, in the upper room. And then one week later, appears again to all 11 disciples. Thomas is there this time. He missed it the first time around. He appeared to seven disciples and on, on the beach and had breakfast with them. I don't know, too many hallucinations that will cook breakfast for you over an open fire and then sit down and eat it with you, okay? And then Paul says on one occasion he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time. And the bottom line is they couldn't all have been hallucinating, right? Hallucinations are rare and they are not shared. And usually, if you're going to hallucinate about something, it's usually about something that you are desperately trying to believe. You're just desperately trying to believe something. You're, you're, that, that you're just focusing on it so much that it might bring a hallucination around. That didn't happen to any of these people. The women weren't expecting Jesus' resurrection. They went to the tomb to anoint a dead body. They weren't going there, I hope he's raised from the dead. I hope he's raised from the dead. The disciples were not expecting or believing Jesus' resurrection. They were hiding in the upper room. In fear. In fact, Jesus had to appear to them in order to convince them that he was alive. It's not the other way around. And then Thomas himself said, unless I see him, unless I touch his hands, not a hallucination, I will not believe. And then once again, if the disciples were hallucinating, that means Jesus was where? Still in the tomb. So why not produce the body. The hallucination story doesn't work either. None of these cover stories work, which leaves only one explanation. Jesus really did rise from the dead. It's the only explanation that makes sense of Jesus' sufferings and death on the cross, the empty tomb, the appearances of Christ to so many, the changed lives of the disciples, uh, such that they went from hiding in fear to boldly giving their lives for the gospel. The only explanation that makes sense of all of that is that Jesus really did rise from the dead. All of these cover stories were invented 
and told simply to avoid the fact of Jesus' resurrection. So let me ask you this morning, if you are not a believer in Christ's resurrection, what's your cover story? Why are you avoiding the fact of Jesus' resurrection? Could it be that if Jesus rose from the dead, then he really is who he says he was and you would need to bow before him as Lord of your life? Could it be that you don't want to make certain changes to your life? And so you're trying to keep the risen Lord at a distance? By the way, another name for a cover story is a lie. So not to be too harsh here, but what lie are you defending to keep from believing in Christ's resurrection? Is it the lie that your life is somehow better without him? Is it the lie that you don't really need forgiveness for your sins? Is it the lie that you will do just fine on judgment day all by yourself? What's your cover story? What's keeping you from Jesus today? The religious leaders did not want to accept the facts of Jesus' resurrection, so they created a cover story, and not a particularly good one at that. In fact, it was so weak, what happened? People invented other stories, multiple stories over the years to try and explain away Jesus' resurrection. We've seen each of those cover stories have serious problems of their own. Not only that, we haven't even made this point yet. Did you notice how they all contradict each other? In other words, we don't have multiple cover stories uh, providing complementary evidence against Jesus' resurrection. Rather, we have competing cover stories, and you just get to pick one. And the very fact that people have felt the need to invent multiple contradictory cover stories over the years only provides further evidence that Jesus' resurrection is real. You don't, you don't create multiple cover stories unless you've got something you're trying to cover, something you're trying to cover up. The fact of the matter is that Jesus rose from the dead and the multiple cover stories that have been produced to deny the resurrection only serve to further confirm the resurrection. All of these cover stories are deadly because it is vitally important that you do believe in Christ's resurrection. Your salvation depends on it. Paul Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's what it all comes down to. Do you believe God raised Jesus from the dead? Will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? I invite you to drop your cover story today and come to Jesus. Jesus.
Because he has risen. He is alive. He is there for you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We, uh, it's hard to thank you for a lie, a cover story that was uh, invented to keep people from believing in you. Lord, a cover story that over the years has prevented many people from believing in you. The, the ones who created that original cover story have a lot of explaining to do, a lot of accountability on the day of judgment. But Lord, we're accountable too. We're accountable for the things that we believe or don't believe and uh, for the flimsy things we sometimes hold on to because we're just not ready to submit our lives to you. So Lord, my prayer is that every person here today, uh, Lord, that uh, as we are faced with the, the evidence of your resurrection, that we will see that this is proof that you are the Son of God who died for our sins and rose triumphant over sin in death and the grave. That we can have life eternal and forgiveness of sins as we come to know you, our risen and living Savior. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who's never trusted you for, as Savior before, today would be the day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.